We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Herberly here at the iconic Wall Center at downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport looking for a nibble, might we suggest the apron? Find it at the Western Wall Center. YVR eat locally fresh, eat well. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Trevor Martins hitting switches, conducting things for Grady Sass, who's off today. This show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, and Blake and I spent a marvelous afternoon yesterday out at a couple of Applewood locations, first at the Applewood Performance Center in Langley, and shout out to AJ and Rowan and Kamal and Cull, who helped us out, toured us around the showroom and the lot there yesterday, and then off to Applewood Nissan Richmond. Well, boy, did we get an education did from Malad. Malad was fantastic. And shout out to Felix and Frankie, who showed me around my new Infinity QX60, which was absolutely gorgeous. We also got Looking to uh, get to inside it. a Nissan Aria, the new EV from mm-hmm. Nissan, which was gorgeous. And shout out to listener Massey, who came up to us uh, in the showroom there as we were waiting. Say, hey, secure some price. I'm a big listener to the show. So. Or a YouTuber as well, he said to yes, us. So, yeah. Thank you. Yes, you can find us on YouTube as well. Thank you to everybody out there at the Applewood Auto Group. Get the best in class experience. Only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver because, Blake. It's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, should JT Miller be considered for the Canucks captaincy? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports Odds. Uh, Bodog line of the day for me. Argos Alouettes from Montreal Friday Night Football. Toronto's a strong team coming off a bye. Alouettes on the short week after traveling back from the West Coast. Don't love the number here at five and a half points, so I'm just going to go Argos straight up to win at minus 230. 235 on your Bodog line of the day. We're asking this JT Miller poll question because of our interview yesterday with former Canucks assistant coach Jason King, who, of course, ran the Canucks power play for the last few seasons and did so quite successfully, talking about a unit that finished 11th, 9th, and 11th over the last three years. And one of the things that Jason said, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that JT Miller was the guy who was bringing the most input to him. He used the word challenged. And when he was done with his answer, it almost sounded like J.T. Miller was like a co-coach collaborator of the power play and what the Vancouver Canucks were looking to do on, again, what has been a successful unit. We know Rick Tockett has talked about how the room was quiet, very, very quiet. I think part and parcel of why Quinn Hughes seemed a little more vocal as the season went along and then after Rick Tockett took over for Bruce Boudreaux was the fact that, you know, he was making his bid, if you will, to be a leader in the room, to have the voice, to toe the coach's line about enough of the quietness. Let's get some energy, enthusiasm, some chatter going on in here. But if that is the profile of guy you were looking for as Vancouver Canucks captain, I mean, as much as Quinn may evolve into the role and be that voice, much like Henrik Zedin did, who was relatively quiet in his younger years and became a a resounding voice for their 
dressing room by the time he was given the C. Um, well, J.T. Miller is the alpha, as many have said. Although, you know, I, I am very curious, and, and we're only going to have to discern what's happening behind closed doors with little bits and bites throughout the course of the season. But we have heard, particularly in the end-of-season media availabilities, many players reference the quiet room. And so even with J.T. Miller a part of the mix, it's still being deemed overall a quiet room. And you wonder if J.T. is as vocal as he is because it's a quiet room. Like, I think a lot of it is personality-driven, but I wonder if he goes over and above just because. You know those people that you're with that just need to fill the vacuum, like cannot feel so uncomfortable in the silence? Maybe he's one of those guys that just hates the silence and needs to fill the gap a little bit. So... Um, well, we learned in journalism school, don't be afraid of the pregnant pause. No, no, exactly. Well, in life, too. It's actually uh, it's actually really good for your for your brain to sit in silence comfortably and not feel the need to fill the gap. So, um, And you probably put your foot in your mouth a lot less if you do that as well. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if this if this group, because they get older and more mature as well, maybe that, that also brings out the personality and brings out the voices as well. But it's a quiet room right now, and we know he's one of the few guys that does open his mouth. I, um, I'm voting yes on the poll question. I do think he should be considered. I'm firmly still in Camp Elias Pettersson as captain because I think he's your best player, and not to mention I, I do think you need to turn the team over to your best players at some point here. Um, not to mention the fact you're trying to re-sign him, so entice him with the captaincy. Say, look, Elias, it's your team now. now. He may not want that. Many have speculated he's a quieter sort, perhaps doesn't want the responsibility of answering all the questions. And there is an art to being a captain and answering all the questions because you're there after losses and you're oftentimes going to be asked about the shortcomings of others on your team. So there is some diplomacy, some politics required in that role. But that's one of the big pieces I suspect to drop here for the Vancouver Canucks between now and the start of the regular season. Who is going to be your captain alongside? Will Elias Pettersson get this this rich max term, even contract extension. I think he's also just a good diplomat for the Canucks too. You know, the, those few times, and again, this maybe gets overblown a little bit, the um, con- conversations with officials and all that sort of thing. I think he'd be a pretty reasonable guy to yes. talk to. Like, do you want JT Miller to yeah. be your diplomat? Well, I mean, he's already wearing a letter, so I mean... You're, he's part of it already, yeah. yes. But no, you're quite right. Uh, you know, good cop, bad cop. We, we know who <laughs> yes. the bad cop is when yeah. you're talking. When you're talking to these officials. And, and you know, the other reasons I'm for Elias is I just think he's a pretty bright guy. Yeah, I think so too. And also last year at the beginning of the year when he was showing more assertiveness... And showing more of a comfort level, I thought, in in terms of communicating, not just on his own behalf, but on behalf of others in that Vancouver Canucks dressing room. All right. Yesterday, we asked them, who needs a stronger season? Pud Colson or Hoaglander? We got 1,100-plus votes on this. Blake, who won the poll? We both voted for Hoaglander. Yeah, I think that's where it went. No. Really? Pud Colson got 59% of the vote to Hoaglander's 41 I think that's. I think that that thinking is, he's a better player. There's more expectation on him. We mm-hmm. want to see the better season out of Pod Coles. Let me give you some of the rationale that we received. Trevor, from the famous Chong brothers, I have a lot of trust in Hoaglander, even with a step back last year. But Pods hasn't shown a lot so far. Really? Wow. 
Mitch Pudkolson. He has a different skill set than the other wingers on the team, also a top 10 pick that cannot be a complete bust if this team wants to be a playoff team. He needs to develop, develop to be at least Barbashev level for the Canucks, not necessarily this year, but soon. Right, so so that guy didn't put himself in the shoes of the two players. He's saying from a fan's point of view. We, from a club's point of view. Yeah, we need that player to yep. step up. Yeah, and, then, and look, you could interpret this question any way you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then Ron says, I've given up on Hoaglander getting a fair shot in Vancouver, but I'm looking forward to seeing him in Abbotsford. This is a critical season for Put Colson. And I think that's right as well. This is your third year in the NHL. This is your draft plus four year. This is where you need to start seeing things because there's not a lot of guys who get to 22, 23, and then suddenly take a huge leap. It happens. There are late bloomers out there, guys who are hurt or take a longer road in terms of learning the game and how to be their most effective out there. But typically, talent shines through pretty young. And if we're not seeing it from these two players this year, then you do have to wonder where they fit in the Canucks future. The flip side is, if both of these guys, Blake, step up this year, break out, wow, now the Vancouver Canucks have a terrific set of wingers because, as we know, it's already a position where they have the most the most depth. I saw some of the opening night lineups, and I, I could have missed it, but I didn't see Brock Besser playing in the Beauty League this year. This is the Minnesota pickup league, if you will, where a bunch of NHLers, college players, minor pros, European pros, they all go back home to Minnesota in the summer, and they get together, have some fun, raise some money for charity. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked to Keith Ballard about this league in the years past. The former Canuck has been a part of it. And, you know, Besser used to be a staple of it. Now, I didn't see him on any of the opening yeah, night. I don't roster. think he's playing. It doesn't mean that he can't play at some point. But you know, the word now out there that Besser has changed his summer conditioning regiment at the behest of Rick Tockett who let everybody know they need a good summer, but particularly Brock coming off the season he had, again injured early, didn't underachieved yet again. At one point sought a trade, has now recanted, said, no, I'm happy to be here. So I think this is a good sign for Brock Besser because, you know, you and I were talking about it. These pickup leagues where there's a fan base and you're keeping score, they can lead to some bad habits, right? Well, it's not it's not the the game that you play. I mean, we, we sort of I'm I'm we have fun with this roller hockey North Shore roller hockey league with Kent Johnson and Andrew Crystal and Connor Bedard playing in it. I, I wonder a little bit about the habits there too. But I wonder if you're it's so removed from actual ice hockey that you think that's it. Your brain. Your brain fences that stuff off a little bit? I think that one is more a workout and have some fun. Whereas the Beauty League, because it is actually hockey. Yeah. And let's face it, kind of showcase hockey. Like, no one's hitting anybody. No one is blocking shots or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there. I think for certain players it can be fine. For other players it's risky for bad habits. I think it depends on the individual. And then the other thing is, like, don't just play in a beauty league game and call that your day. 
And that's, who knows that's if that the was other it. thing I wonder about some of these guys who play in the beauty league. Do they go, okay, well, you know, tomorrow I, I'll, I'll I go got my play, sweat on. I'll go play golf. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll run some errands, but I'm getting my workout because I'm playing in the beauty league game. I think Rick talk at the Vancouver Canucks and frankly, strength and conditioning programs, the league over are, are looking for a little more are, are looking for something that isn't quite as, Informal, but honestly, I I, I would think we are past that now, where NHL preparation is far more scientific well, than playing a pickup game. But you know, Besser is how old here, Blake? Twenty six years old, mm-hmm. and is now changing up his summer workout. Yeah, but we again, we don't know definitively that it was the beauty Fair. league and only the beauty no, league no, for him. No, but I mean, the indication has been from the coach who has spoke on this and said, you know. And I'm paraphrasing, but just, you know, Brock's changing things up. Hey, his career has gotten to the point where there's a bit of a crossroads here where he needs to change things. And and this would be an easy thing to change. Absolutely. All right. Um, Michael Dick Mm -hmm. is leaving the Vancouver Giants. And we always thought this would be a possibility. In fact, I think some people thought it might come sooner than now because shortly after getting the head coaching job with the Giants – Michael Dick found himself getting some of these plum assignments with Hockey Canada. He was a well-regarded young coach. Tell us about uh, where he's off to. He's going to be a, a Marley's Toronto Marley's assistant coach, so he's jumping into the uh, the pro ranks. Um, he'd uh, flirted with that before. He was up for the Stockton job in the AHL um, back in 2021, I believe, when Mitch Love took over there. And... Um, yeah, he's he's making the jump. It feels like he's been there a little bit longer than he has. Although in junior hockey, you know, five years with the team is is significant. Now yes, the pandemic kind of robbed him of some games. Um, so I guess in terms of actual length of time there, it's uh, it has been a, a decent chunk of time. But in terms of games played, a little less so. Um, but good luck to him. My, my personal uh, interactions with him have been fabulous. Uh, worked yep. worked a couple of Giants games and. And uh, he's been a pleasure to work with and around. So uh, good luck to uh, to Michael Dick. And uh, I wanted to button this up from yesterday because we weren't quite sure of the reporting at the time that we were recording yesterday. But former Canucks, former Canuck Brendan Leipzig, reportedly applying for Russian citizenship. This is according to the head of the Ska St. Petersburg Club in the KHL, where he plays. Now, this is the son of a Russian oligarch who is close to Vladimir Putin, Blake, so just take it with a grain of salt. This is translated from the TASS Russian News Agency. Quote, It's no secret that in North America he faced prejudice and injustice, and in Russia he received special support from fans, coaches, shocking, and partners. Mm. He went on to say his favorite player is Alexander Ovechkin, and he grew up watching our best players. Maybe Brendan himself will play for the Russian national team one day. Yeah, I'm going to guess he doesn't. And I'm going to guess this is the last time we mentioned Brendan Leipzig's name on this show. Probably so. Yeah. Probably so. Let's talk Whitecaps because they got a big win at BC Place yesterday. You called it Cordoba finally with his first Caps goal. We've been waiting for this. Another Ballyhooed designated player who has fallen flat thus far with Whitecaps FC. And uh, he scored. I see. I saw T. Mart noted this on Twitter. He scored, but with an assist to the Austin defender who 
shoved his keeper out of the way. Well, Very odd. But at the same time, he could have scored three times before he scored. Uh, he kept on passing up the chance to shoot, uh, you know, waiting for a, a bigger opening, a bigger gap to present itself. And in the end, hey, he scored, so... No criticism there, no. but but if he hadn't scored on that shot, we would have been like, why didn't you shoot here, 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 and here? Um, but he gets it, uh, and he had an interesting celebration. Some interpreted it as uh, an apology to the fans as he trotted into the corner with his hands raised. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a big goal. Said it mm. as soon as he came on. If there's ever a time to, to yes. open his account, this would be it. It's a massive win. Keeps them on track. Uh, they've still got wow. that games played column. You know, they if they win their one game in hand on everybody because they've got a minimum of one game in hand on everybody above them. Mm-hmm. If they win that one game in hand, they jump into fifth place, I believe. Right, and they hold station right now at ninth. Uh, needed the win because Minnesota, who's chasing them on the same number of games played, and Minnesota is the only team on the same number of games played. Yeah, um, who is threatening right now? Minnesota won last night, so yes, this was a very important win. For Whitecaps FC, yeah, there's not much of a gap behind them, but there's not much of a gap ahead of them either to jump into a right. uh, into a, a home field advantage slot. Eh? So very fluid here as we approach the final third of the MLS season. They're back at it at home Saturday against LA Galaxy. How about this stat that the PR department pulled up with his assist on the goal? Gold has now equaled the club record for most assists across all competitions in the club's MLS era. With 26, yeah, tying former attacking midfielder Pedro Morales. You remember how good Morales he was. He tied the MLS record uh, last game, and he ties the uh, all-comps record uh, this one. Blake, he's got 16 matches to go this year. Yeah. Minimum. I mean, he's just going to obliterate the club record here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in years to come, right? Uh, so he's going to keep on piling on here. I mean... Over the course of his Whitecaps career, he's, I mean, I think people are hoping that he's going to double uh, that mark by the time he's done. He's uh, been named to the Man of the Match Day uh, uh, starting 11. This is the fifth time this year already. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got off to a really slow start this year. Yeah. But he still might find his way into some MVP votes by the end of this if this continues um, the way that it's uh, continuing. And... Of course, over the Gold Cup, uh, both Javane Brown and Julian Gressel lost yesterday. So I don't know if either of those two guys are ready to roll on on Saturday versus Galaxy, mm-hmm. but there is the potential here for the Whitecaps to uh, put forth a best effort, certainly yeah. for League's Cup and, and maybe even for this final match. All right, now the big question. What's the matter, Vanny? Why did he get the Elliot? Well, I mean, here, do you, you know, know what happened is there? some of that... We know he can sing rock star. Is he bringing some of that rock star attitude to the touchline? Well, there was nine minutes of stoppage time. The VAR check there on the crazy Blackman foul at the edge of the box added more time. So by the time the free kick is given from just outside the area there, the save is made, ball is cleared, and they're at the 103-minute mark. So the kick is, is sprayed over the over the crossbar, uh, by Gallagher, and Van immediately starts to walk towards Josh Wolf, the, the Austin coach, to to shake hands. Yes. 
and Josh Wolf turned his back. It was it was not because the whistle hadn't Final gone whistle yet. Whistle hadn't gone, and so that's why the referee went over and yellow carded him for crossing out of the you know over the line, the coach's boundary there. And said, is that an automatic one, Blake? It's or is, not. Is Vanny's comments about officiating earlier in the year coming back to haunt? I just think it was deemed to be a little bit tactless by the referee, um, and. and uh, you know, if you're just wandering over to have a chat with the fourth official, no one's going to give you a yellow card for that, as long as you're being polite as well. Um, but I think just it was it was a little aggressive on the referee's part. Uh, sorry, in his own eyes, um, the fact that he I was think Manning's got to watch out though, because those comments are early in the year were so poignant, so strong. Yeah, that you know every official in Major League Soccer's ears perked up when they heard him. Well, it's a bit of a bully tactic, too, of end the game. You know? Yes, it is. You know, And the referee, of course, will say, uh, I'll end the game, not you. Yeah. So, I'm in control here. Yeah. I'm yeah. the captain now. Yes, exactly. Vancouver Canadians are back in Nat Bailey Stadium starting tomorrow. As we've mentioned, uh, tomorrow the rare Friday 7 p.m. start against the Eugene Emeralds. I know they often do the Friday Nooners. And we're, of course... On 7 p.m. starts on Saturdays now that we have reached the summer season. Blue Jays took six college players in the first 10 rounds of the Major League Baseball draft, including Canadian lefty Connor O'Halloran out of the University of Michigan. His father, Greg, actually was a Jays pick, had a cup of coffee in the big leagues with the then Florida Marlins. Typically, the high schoolers, like we talked to yesterday, Sam Shaw, Victoria, it would be quite difficult for them to reach the Canadians' level in their draft year, but some of these college guys do have a chance. If they sign, they could quickly progress to the sea. So who knows? Maybe a chance to see another Canadian pitcher and a third Canadian on the team if Connor O'Halloran is able to make it up to Vancouver with what's left of this season. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch, to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all at De Dutch. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Rob Williams, Rob, the hockey guy, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive, is going to stop by. We have a long discussion with Rob on a couple of topics. Number one, uh, well, we talked JT Miller and the captaincy. We also talk about the usage of Pedersen, Hughes, and Miller on the penalty kill after Rick Tockett made some comments this week, Alfred and Bruff, about how he's got to use them less. He can't go away from them, he says, because responsible for too many shorthanded goals on the PK improved under them. But he is trying to have to limit the miles on those guys playing in shorthanded situations. But we also talk about numbers you cannot wear as a new Vancouver Canuck after this business with Ian Cole first being assigned Luke Bourdon's number only to give it back saying, hey, I didn't know I'd be the first to wear it after the passing of Luke Bourdon. We go to the people today as well. If you hear things on the show or see things on our social media platforms that you would like to comment on or question, by all means, you can email us live at scaresomeprice.com, text 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Sakaris and Price. Let's get to today's golf report. It is brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. We've been telling you about those client and buddy trips. You, the organizer, if you got a group of 12 or more, you play for free. They're also home to the Nike Pro Shop, exclusive footwear, apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. 
and Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill, one of Whistler's top 10 patios. For information to book tee times, go to whistlergolf.com. Well, yesterday we told you about that best of both worlds, their words, not ours, proposal that the Live and PGA Tour guys got together with uh, that included Rory and Tiger owning their own live teams and in some and again to recap this was a leaping off point it's not where they're at currently no no but this is what the live guys sort of proposed like hey you know maybe tiger and rory could own their own live teams the live guys also proposed tiger play 10 times a year which no bloody way so rory said yesterday if live was the last place on earth to play golf he would retire so no softening in Rory's stance towards the live tour per se, even if he is softened in terms of a deal with the Saudi investment f- fund and the PGA tour. But did you see what else Rory was up to yesterday in his preparations for the open championship? Mm, I don't think so. What was that? He played a practice round with a persimmon driver. Oh, really? An old driver that mm-hmm. looked like it could have been in the hands of Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas or that era. Um, Rory's average carry this year, Blake, on the PGA Tour is 309 and a half yards. He's number two on the tour carry. for the longest. That's carry. Stop that's it. not distance. That's carry. Stop it. How far do you think he carried the persimmon driver? 210. 265. Wow. With a modern ball. So he's playing his regular ball, used the persimmon, flew at 265. The ball speed was 168 miles per hour. He has gotten ball speed up to 188 miles per hour. I'm actually amazed at that. Blake, as the fried egg, and it's a golf account, said... The driver has gone from being the toughest club in the bag to hit to being the easiest club for the pros. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I'm still a jack over Tiger guy when you talk about the greatest players ever. He had to hit this damn thing. But but are people amazed at the difference or are they amazed at... I'm amazed he flew at 265. I'm amazed at how far that is. Folks, go try and hit a wood wood. Yeah. Like, first of all, it ain't easy to get it on the screws. The screws. You mean, like, the sweet spot is a fraction of what the sweet spot is. And they're actual screws. Yes. That's where that comes from. No, (laughs) There's actual screws in the face. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, look at the head. uh, Tiny. To look look at the head on this, Blake. Mm. I mean, it looked looked like a child's club. Matt, go look at an original Big Bertha. It looked like a Fisher-Price club. But go go look at an original Big Bertha. Like like, uh, like the original Big big. Bertha. Not big. Bertha's been on a diet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think think it's really far. I, I mean, that's crazy. Anyways, to hit that club far and straight is a world that none of these guys know. And I think only adds... Um, to the careers of players of that era who had to play that club, yeah, did not have the forgiveness of modern technology. Well, of, let alone the ball that could fly as far as the modern day ball. Flies. It's sort of like the hundred mile an hour pitch to some degree, but three hundred yards 
was thought to be unthinkable for a long time. For the most of our growing up, like a 300-yard drive was was legend, and now it's a given. It's like Roger Bannister and the miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. All this talk about numbers you can't wear as a new member of the Vancouver Canucks got me thinking about number one. As we know, the Canucks did not retire the number shared by Roberto Luongo and Kirk McLean, the franchise's two best goalies. They've honored both players in the Ring of Honor, but their number is in circulation for a new goalie to request. They shouldn't. It would take some chutzpah to request that number, and the Canucks should learn the lesson of miscommunication with Ian Cole last week. And dissuade most goalies from requesting Maybe they have been. Maybe they have. Maybe that's why it hasn't been used. Now, as we know, all new players not created equal. Some free agents need to be enticed. And given how superstitious hockey players are, getting their preferred number may well matter. Lots of numerologists in this sport. Ask Sidney Crosby. Who wears 87 because he's born August 7th, 8th month, 7th day, 1987. So if a marquee free agent goalie needed to wear number one, so be it if they're an all-star level player to the victor go the spoils. Wow, really? What? You're bending rules here along the way. You would have given no, Messier 11. Cont- context. Okay. No, Messier I would not have given 11 because that was a deceased player. Roberto Luongo and Kirk McLean are in good health. I saw Kirk recently. Okay. And if the Canucks were to ever draft a goaltender in the first round, develop him, graduate him till the to the NHL, I think that would be a worthy exception as well. I'm thinking a Mark Andre Fleury type of prospect, though not necessarily a first overall pick. If he's your homegrown goaltender, like a Corey Schneider, for example, mm-hmm. upon ascension. Corey comes up to the team and there's no Roberto there wearing number one and says, I want to wear number one. Hey, you're a first-round pick. We spent four or five years developing you. You're going to be our guy going forward. That is worthy of number one. Now, Cole being announced at number 28 prior to knowing that the late Luke Bourdon was the last Canuck to wear it was a mistake that should improve the club's process when it comes to assigning numbers. So no number one for just any goalie. And while we're at it, no number 37 either. 
That's Rick Rippin's number, and it should stay that way. So welcome out for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at kersonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, I'm at Sikharis, Price, and Blake. We're going to have a blast today at Northlands Golf Course on a gorgeous summer day on the North Shore. It's Metro Vancouver's Premier Public Golf Course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Hit up that patio overlooking the golf course for a cocktail or a nibble. Get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And Blake and I were out visiting the Applewood Performance Center in Langley yesterday. It's like a, an everyday car show almost, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh my goodness. You want a unique vehicle, sweetie? Uh, honestly, this is the place to go. Yeah. This is this, the sweetest rides you'll ever come across. Mm-hmm. From every vintage, uh, brand new models to... All the way down to some vintage stuff and some mods, perhaps, as well, might even be for sale. We walked into the showroom, and I was like a bug attracted to the light. There was a papaya McLaren sitting there, and I just went directly to it. A brand new canary yellow (laughs) 300Z. I don't think they call it 300 anymore. It's just a Nissan Z. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, really Z or Z though. That is the debate. <laughs> I said Z, and my son quickly corrected me. It's a Z. I'm like, okay, but, but, we're in but as we talked about with AJ from Applewood, <laughs> it's a Japanese company. Yeah. Really? They have at their disposal Z or Z. Anyways, get the best in class experience. Only the Applewood auto group can deliver. Let's get to some hashtags here, Blake. The best and worst of Twitter. I'm going to lead us off at Nuclear Golf. Hashtag robbed. Michael Block's hole-in-one at the PGA Championship fell short of winning best play at the ESPYs. Justin Jefferson took home the award. And look, it was a leaping, falling backwards, one-handed catch in traffic in that fantastic Vikings-Bills game, one of the NFL games of the year, mm-hmm. I want to say in December. We talked about it on the show that Monday. It was that kind of a show-stopping catch. Of that, there is no doubt. From a great game, and yeah, ESPN and the ESPs might be a little football-biased when they make these selections. But how do you take it away from a club pro with a slam-dunk ace on the back nine of a major Playing with Rory McIlroy. Well, that's the thing. He was already the story of the tournament. Yes. And then, like, that's not just the cherry on top. That's the orchard on top. Like, if, if we're doing the movie of that weekend and, oh. and you put that character with the whole one, you're like, that's a bit over the top. Really? Yeah, you know, like, that's too on the nose. I would have voted for Michael Block. As great as the Justin Jefferson catch was. It was a pretty good moment, that's for sure. At Michael Grange, we will get word on Canadian basketball's men's training camp roster for the FIBA World Cup tonight. Expectation is summer core, quote-unquote, of 14 will be intact. So that means SGA, Murray, Barrett, NAW, Brooks, etc. Um, Shea Gildish-Alexander, by the way, Nikhil Alexander-Walker are the two acronyms there. 
Um, that's good. I mean, if there's mm-hmm. if, it, if there's not any scheduled disappointments here, no, um, that's good. Well, and it sounds that Trey Lyles is warming back to the program, um, and, and that's interesting because Lyles was a guy who was in despite the fact that he moved from Saskatchewan to Indiana as a young boy, uh, but he played for Canada as a young as yeah. a junior. And it sounds like he is swarming back up to the program. He had a pretty good year, actually, in Sacramento. So, yeah. Um, and Maple? Maple Jordan? I, I, I asked someone about Maple. Uh, I'm, I think Maple, if he is ever playing, it's going to be the Olympics. And Kelly Olenek would probably need one arm and one leg for him to drop out of. Like the Monty Python yes. night. Yeah. Kelly Olenek will play for Canada. You know he'll play. <laughs> At speaking of at Hockey Canada, team is ready to compete at the 2023 hashtag Halinka Gretzky Cup. This is our summer under 18 team. It's also a, a decent way to gauge how we're doing as a province, producing elite hockey players. Four BC players on this team, all of them forwards. Jordan Gavin from Surrey, who plays for Tri City in the Western League. Oli Josephson, or Josephson, if you want to go south, from Victoria as a Red Deer Rebel. Carson Wetched is from North Vancouver and plays for the Calgary Hitmen. And Caden Lindstrom from Chetland, British Columbia, who plays for Willie Dishard and Medicine Hat. So four, there are a couple of right shot defensemen on this team that could very well be top 10 picks next year. Zane Parekh is a defenseman with the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. Henry Muse with the Ottawa 67s. Both of them have sort of top 10 first half of the first round buzz heading into their draft year next year. Yeah, it's... Um, Which, of course, will be headlined by another British Columbian and Macklin Celebrini. It's a great tournament, by the way, the summer tournament. Yes. I know we're not in hockey mode per se right now. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a uh, it's it's a really good well tournament. It, it, it's Miranda a really Washington. good tournament in that most everybody is available and then secondly uh, the other thing you've got going on is you've got uh, you know the first look at your draft eligibles yeah for twenty twenty four at Sports Horn forty one of the top forty four players are scheduled to play in the WTA one thousand National Bank Open in Montreal in August. Fidelina and Brady use protective rankings to get in. Wozniacki, Andrescu, Fernandez, Marino, and Venus Williams get wild cards. Eight qualifying spots are open. So, um, I believe this is Venus's farewell. It is, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's effectively a Grand Slam field. Oh. Great. They, they have typically gotten very good fields for yeah. both the men's and the ladies' uh, Canadian Opens, no matter what city they're in. And frankly, if you are a tennis fan in one of those cities, I mean, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get the ladies one year, you get the men the next. It is really nice. It's yeah. really cool. At Jay Cutta, he covers the Chicago White Sox. You know, we think about baseball and we think about the spending power of the Dodgers and the Yankees, which is absolutely true. They are two teams, perhaps the two most likely teams, although, you know, Texas has certainly thrown their hat in the ring here of late and Boston and some others historically as well. But we think of the Dodgers and Yankees as the, the, having the ability to outspend just about everybody out there for players on the free agent market, which is true. But one of the reasons the Dodgers and the Yankees are the Dodgers and the Yankees is that historically... They have been two of the best draft and develop organizations in the sport. 
And that continues over the last decade. I'm not sure there's a, uh, this is not a coincidence. The last 10 years of drafts, percentage of each major league team's picks that made it to the majors. Number one, the Houston Astros, who have probably been the best team over the last decade, right? Cheating notwithstanding, mm-hmm. 23%. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers at 20%. Number three, the New York Yankees at 20%. The good news here is both teams of local interest here. The Seattle Mariners finished seventh on this list at 17%, and the Blue Jays are also at 17%, finishing ninth in the majors, drafting over the last 10 years, getting picks to the bigs, which is harder because you're projecting high school you know, players, 18-year-olds playing in like a suburban Philadelphia league. Like they're not exactly playing against guys who have major league aspirations. So it's much more difficult for the scouts to pro- project what they'll do against pro competition. The final one for me, um, and it's not in sports, but it's going to be interesting to see how it cross-sections with sports. At Discussing Film, SAG and AFTRA is officially going on strike. This is the first time both actors and writers are on strike in over 60 years. Um, Matt, content might not be great in the fall. No. If you're a, a Netflix fan. Mm. Um, I've already or, noticed it in a few places. So you wonder, is sports going to get a major bump? That content is all scheduled in. Mm-hmm. It's coming. And the new stuff on the streamers may not be. Mm. You wonder if uh, if ratings are going to hit all-time highs here for the streamers, uh, for the sports streamers at the very least. We were discussing this yesterday when we were at Applewood and had a couple of minutes. The president of SAG-ACTRA is Fran Drescher, mm-hmm. the nanny. Yeah. You wonder if she was elected solely because who wants to be across the bargaining table from that voice and that laugh? (laughs) Maniacal it would become. Uh, And that's hashtags for today. Secure's Price from Wall Center, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group, proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities. Everybody that we work with, whether providing resources for education, kids, sponsoring local events, Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best-in-class experience only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, should JT Miller be considered for the Canucks captaincy? We'll put that to Rob Williams here in a second. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day from me. Everybody is hoping for that Djokovic Alcaraz final, but I'm going to take the underdog here, Medvedev. Medvedev to upset Alcaraz at plus 200 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is, our Thursday regular from the Daily Hive, the national sports editor, Rob the Hockey Guy. Rob Williams, how you doing? Doing great, fellas. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. He was Rob the Golf Guy earlier this week. As we, as we <laughs> yeah, I saw the swing. Yeah. Did you get bashed around? Two separate people saw me in, at, uh, at old Shaughnessy Golf Club and said, oh, Rob the Golf Guy. Oh, one, of, one of them was J-Pat. um no i'm i'm a terrible golfer guys i i got into it in the pandemic and i just 
I, I do it, but I don't do it very well. So I won't Yeah. I wasn't bragging with my golf swing there. Yeah. No, <laughs> honestly, you look at it and you go, it's a stationary ball sitting on a tee. It shouldn't be as hard as it is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, alas. Uh, what do you think? We had an uh, insightful interview with Jason King yesterday where he talked about J.T. Miller's contributions and where they used the word challenge, but I mean, it effectively sounded like he and JT were collaborators on how to, how best to uh, structure that Canucks power play that has been so good for the last couple of years. We are without a Vancouver Canucks captain. We anticipate one is coming by the fall. What do you think? I mean, should he be considered? I think yes. And I think, you know, the people that are in that room would know better than, than anyone in, in terms of like, is he captain material? All we can go on is from what we see uh, when he's speaking to the media and, and, and his play on the ice. I mean, his play on the ice, I think, has been erratic. I think that's fair to say. I think, you know, his defensive issues, his outbursts, to, to me, that doesn't scream captain material. When you hear him speak in the media, definitely captain material. Like, he, he, that's, he says the right things. He... he um, you know, he's always willing to, to, to stand up and talk. So in that sense, yes, I think he's a distant third behind Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And, you know, hearing Rick Tockett speak again about when he asked about that question uh, this week, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he, he first talks about Quinn Hughes and talks about how, uh, you know, how much, you know, he's becoming more of a leader. And with Pettersson, when he talks about Pettersson as a captain, I find that he's sort of talking about him sort of like coming, coming out of his shell. So I, I just sort of reading the tea leaves there, I, to me, it's Hughes is the, is the, is the, um, is the leader, is the leader. I think yeah, I, really? if I had to put money on it, I would put my money on Quinn Hughes right now. I think Tuckett wants a vocal captain. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw Hughes get more vocal, but they're like the political same. parties right now, honestly. And I think there is still a, a big uh, JT Miller, Support system. I, I think you know both within the organization and in 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 the fans. Like, what do you think the fans will say to this poll question? I th- I don't think the fans are in favor of of Miller being the captain. I think there's a, there's been enough noise around him uh, the, the last couple seasons that I think that Miller for captain will not generate a, a ton of support. I think I think most fans probably want Elias Pettersson to be the captain. Probably think he should be the captain. And I I think my view on this is. If, if Elias Pettersson really wants to be the captain, he'll be the captain. But I don't know, I don't know if he's suited for it. And that's not a slight against him. I don't know that, that's, I don't know that, that it really suits his personality. I don't think he likes necessarily you know, being peppered with questions in the media. I mean, I, mean, I don't know that anyone, any of the players love it. But I don't know that that's a part of the experience that he necessarily embraces. He does it, but does he embrace it? You know, is he going to want the extra scrutiny, the extra spotlight on him? Uh, the the spotlight's, spotlight's already bright on him, of course. I'm not sure about that. So I, I, I sort of view Hughes as, as, as a bit more um, in, in that sense, just from everything that we've been hearing from, from talk at the last few months uh, I feel like Hughes has kind of jump, jumped ahead of, of Pedersen as the, uh, as the odds-on favorite now. Well, and of course, Hughes and Miller are under contract for 24-25. Elias is not, so there's that complication. If she wants to well. dangle that yeah. out. All three players 
have a, a lesser risk of being injured potentially because uh, Rick Tockett keeps on saying he wants to play the superstars and these captain candidates, uh, candidates a lot less on the penalty kill. So maybe less block shots and and uh, and yet these are pretty decent penalty killers, particularly in the case of Pedersen. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those things where everyone's like, well, we'll believe it when we see it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a... And he, and he didn't say he was going to take them off entirely, so I, I think that no. makes sense. And I, I think it is sensible that to cut back their minutes on the PK. They were, you know, Miller and, and Pedersen were among the league leaders in, in, uh, in average ice time among NHL forwards last year. Hughes was among the leaders in, with, among the defensemen. So I do think it makes sense to, to cut back their minutes. You're not going to cut back their minutes at even strength or the, or the power play, so, you, you know, you pick the penalty kill, I suppose. I think with Miller, I don't think I don't think the PK is a strong suit of Miller's game, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I think he probably ended up on the PK a lot because they just didn't have a center that could win a draw, right? So like they have yep. to they have to put him out there. I think the addition of Teddy Bluger will help a lot in that regard. So you put Bluger on the PK, I think that allows you to rest Miller a bit more, especially you know now he's getting into his thirties. I don't think this is a guy who should be playing like twenty three minutes a night. With Pedersen, I think it's a little bit more of an interesting situation because I think Pedersen was their best penalty killer last year. You know, this is a guy that's getting Selkie Trophy votes. Um, you know, is that someone that you you don't want on your PK? I mean, if your PK can be good without him, fantastic. You rest him and you and you save him for uh, more offensive minutes. But otherwise, I think you're in a situation where you're probably going to need Elias Pedersen on, on the PK. And then as far as, uh, as far as Quinn Hughes, you know, they have a few more defensemen now that can kill penalties. So perhaps that bumps Hughes down the, uh, the pecking order a little bit. And I think that's, that's sensible. I think he was, was fine on, on the PK. I don't think he was like, you know, he's not like Pedersen of, of defensemen on the, on the PK. So um, resting Hughes a little bit more there could make some sense as well. I still think they're going to be a very top-heavy team in just about everything they do. I, I, I think... You know, if you're Patrick Alvine, I think you're looking at it in terms of, okay, we've made some necessary adjustments at the bottom end of the roster. We have one more year where we're going to have to lean on our stars to do just about everything for this hockey club. And then maybe once we get to the summer of 2024 and some money shakes free, you're going to be able to start, you know, adding bigger game here, third line center, another top four defenseman, some guys who can can take some of the burden off of the Vancouver Canucks stars. That would be my best guess, at least as we sit here on July 13th, thinking most of the heavy lifting is done in the summer. When you, I mean, when you look at their their penalty killing forwards, like who are the candidates to, to play on the PK? I mean, I could see the, the first two guys coming over the boards being Teddy Bluger and Ilya Mikheyev. I don't think we saw. That's right. You know, yep. We didn't see the best of Ilya Mikheyev last season. So I think you could have those two guys be the first over the boards on the PK, but then who's who's after that, right? Like who's going to win the Patterson and Miller, right? Like like yeah, like is, can Elias mm-hmm. Patterson win a draw? Like I mean, that's a that's an area of his game, one of the few areas that he still needs to really improve. You know, if you can trust Patterson to to win a draw, then then I think you can have him go over the boards and then you know pick someone. But after that, it's like you know, if you look at the guys that were were most used among the forwards uh, under Talkit, it was. Nils Aman, it was Dakota Joshua. So, I, like, are those surefire guys? Like, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, I think he can kill penalties, but I don't know if he's going to have a regular spot in the lineup. 
you know, and Holglander then, or Pod Colson would be a great yeah, opportunity. Yeah, that's why right. those two kids need to. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I was just going to say, uh, Vasily Pod Colson. I think that that's something like, like I think this is the year uh, in training camp. Certainly, I would love to see them uh, try Pod Colson on on the PK and give him, you know, give him an opportunity to win that spot, and maybe that gives him, you know, a, a few more minutes. Maybe if he's playing on the third line, but now he's getting PK minutes instead of playing. You know, it's 10, 11, 12 minutes. Maybe now he's playing 13, 14, 15 minutes, right? And I think that would be good for his development. Yeah. Uh, let's move along here, Rob. Um, numbers you can't wear as a Vancouver Canuck. I saw the uh, I saw the post from Offside <laughs> earlier in the week. Just setting the record straight after all of this business with Ian Cole, where, let's face it, somebody should have mentioned Ian Cole before it was announced what number he'd be wearing. Hey, by the way, did you know this is Bourdon's number and nobody has worn it since? So take us through every number you can't wear with the Vancouver Canucks. That's right. So every number you can't wear with the Vancouver Canucks. I figured that you know people needed a, a, a primer, a refresher here because there seemed to be some confusion with some fans. Um, you know, it, tended, it seemed to be a lot of the same fans that, that think that the team can never do anything wrong. But that's another uh, side issue. But yeah, I, you know, you look at all the numbers that you absolutely can't wear. I, I listed, you know, to, well, let's go in order here. So the, the first number is you can't wear. You can't wear a number that's already been taken, right? You can't have two number 40s, can't have two number 43s. Uh, but of course, there have been situations where... And I was trying to, you know, refresh my memory on this. Like, can you think of the times where a player came to the team, wanted a number, the number was taken, and then they ended up taking that number from someone else? So who who, who changed themselves? Who changed they kind the of bought, bought the number basically. I was, they used to buy numbers exactly, right? So I was yeah. thinking about this. One of them, remember, uh, remember, they gave, Brandon Sutter gave up his number for Louis Erickson. Uh, kind of, kind of seems like a, a funny one to look back on. Another one that sticks in my mind is is uh, Peter Schaefer gave up his number twenty nine for Felix Potvin. So I don't know if it's a good omen to do that based on those two examples. No. Um, of course, you can't wear a retired number. There's six retired numbers, so you can't wear those. Uh, I wrote that you, you you shouldn't wear unofficially retired numbers. I guess you can because Mark Messier did, but you shouldn't. And I think that you know that's. You know, that's Wayne Mackey's number 11. It's only been worn once uh, since he died tragically by Messier. And, uh, of course, Luke Bourdon's number 28 has never been worn uh, since he passed away. Uh, the other number, though, I, I'm wondering, you know, I, I saw a lot of people talk about, you know, Pavel Dimitra. Like, how come people have been able to wear number 38 since he passed away? I, I do think there's a distinction. He wasn't a member of the team, uh, right. you know, when, when he passed away. I, the the one for me that that is more of a gray area, and I don't know I don't know the answer to this is is Rick Rippon's number thirty seven. Uh, Rippon never played for another NHL team other than the Canucks, uh, yeah. but he wasn't technically a, mem- a member of the team when when you mm-hmm. know when he died tragically in in twenty eleven. He had technically signed a free agent deal with the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, I don't know what category uh, that number thirty seven falls into. It hasn't been worn yet ever since then, has it? He has has not been worn thirty seven. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing with Rippin that I think makes it more of a gray area than Demetra, and you're right. Um, neither was a member of the Canucks when they passed suddenly. 
is that Rippon had a legacy here yes. with the Mind Check program. Yeah. So I, I would differentiate. He's so late. Yes. I, and, and yeah, Pavel Dimitra, I think, was more known as a blue St. Louis blue. Yeah. Uh, whereas Rick Rippon was absolutely more known as a Vancouver Canuck. So yeah, I, I'm with you on uh, 37. Uh, and if they if 38 has to be worn, so be it. Of course, nobody's wearing 99 because nobody has the temerity to wear 99. Now, remember, 99 is officially retired across the NHL, so you 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 can't wear number 99. Oh, is it now? So, okay. Oh, right, so right, that, right. That's, that one right, was last right, on my list. Right. I've got mm-hmm. I've got two other ones here. I, I thought that well, I, number one, Rob. That to me, <laughs> number one is the big question, right? Because you didn't do right in my mind's eye by solely putting Roberto Luongo in the ring of honor. I think he deserved to have his number retired as well. But it'll know, get worn. It'll get worn. It's interesting because it hasn't been worn since Luongo left town. But, I mean, they basically said, I mean, they're they're putting me in the ring of honor. They're, they're not, you know, uh, the jersey retirement, uh, you know, presumably is not coming. So, to me, number one is up for grabs. Uh you know, I, I, I think it should be retired, but it's not. So uh, to me, that's in circulation. Now, the other two ones I had here, uh, I, one, of the, one of the quotes I love from, you know, looking back on, uh, you know, the, the Wayne Mackey, Mark Messier story is, is Wayne Mackey's uh, uh, widow said that, you know, Messier can wear number 111. You know, like that's kind of, she was given the, the big F you to, to Messier. You can't actually wear number 111. So that is something, and it's actually written in the rule. The NHL rule book specifically states that you cannot have triple digits. So I thought that was interesting that that's, uh, that's in there. You also can't have fractions or decimals. Uh, and now the last one that I think is interesting as well here, and I, I don't really have any memory of this, but the NHL used to allow players to wear number zero and double zero, uh, though they got rid of it in... Uh, in uh, 1996, after Martin Biron, it was a, it was a call up from junior, and he wore number double uh, zero, and he got lit up. and uh, And then the ne- next year, the NHL said no more zero or double zero. And good on the league for that. Nobody should be wearing. By the zero. way, does do does everybody remember the other number that Gino Odrick wore? 66. Yeah, <laughs> that was in Mario Lemieux's era. Gino's really? like, give ah. me 66. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, well done. Very thorough, Rob Williams. Thanks. See, if not for Rob Williams, the Daily Hive and Offside, who is going through all the numbers and letting us know what you can I love and it. what you can wear. Marvelous. Right <laughs> up your alley. On brand, Rob. Uh, thank you for this, my friend. We'll catch up next Thursday. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, yes. let's, let's go to those people, shall we? We have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. And to the people we go, brought to you by our man of the people, Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. But here's the thing. Jason doesn't just do residential mortgages. He does commercial mortgages as well. If you're a business owner looking to buy your building, a builder, developer looking for options beyond your bank, get Jason's expert opinion. Find him. Jason.mortgage. A terrific question here from Matty G on Berard. He says, question, boys. As much as I love Trevor Linden, he's my all-time favorite Canuck. 
not meant to discredit him. But if you could redraft 1988. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Does Medano still go number one? Who do you draft given now we kn- now that we know each player's outcome? Mark Recchi for the games, points, won a cup. Solani for his goal scoring, won a cup too. Rob Blake for his defense, also a cup winner. Ronick, Brindamore, Amante, McGilney. Uh, Lino, a fabulous leader, a fabulous player, but this is when the uh, onion gets sliced thinly, right? In that right. you're great, but if you've got everybody at your disposal, yeah, you probably don't take Trevor Lewis. No, knowing now what you know, and, and frankly, as much as Mike Badano was a complete center iceman. Yeah, he's probably not deserving the first overall, maybe. Yeah. I think I might go Rob Blake. I, I mean, think I might go Timo. You, you, you're talking about a number one defenseman. Rob Blake was the definition thereof. 700 goals is pretty good, too. Yeah. No, it certainly <laughs> like, is. Like, but he is uh, a many... winger. He is a winger. Yeah. Uh, it's harder for a winger to drag a team forward. But um, he, he literally is averaging mm-hmm. a half goal per game. Every other game, yeah, you get a, a goal from Team Salani. He's a goal scorer of that. There's no question. I mean, Rob Blake was a complete defenseman. Um, could really shoot the puck, could move the puck, big, physical, strong guy, minute muncher, hit people, penalty kill. It's a terrific exercise. And, Maddie, you can do it on more drafts than just 1988. Basketball, Phil, tell me I'm wrong. The NBA should rotate the championship round of the new NBA Cup to non-NBA markets to promote the game in those markets and see if those cities are interested in expansion. Vegas first, then Seattle, Montreal, Mexico City, Vancouver, in that order. I think they're taking it to Vegas, Phil, because NBA players love Vegas, and so that's a little bit of extra sugar for participating in this tournament. I don't mind the premise, though. Leaf with a great suggestion. I think we'd see a highly contested in-season NHL tournament if <laughs> the winner had optional attendance for the All-Star game. Except that only applies to like a couple two of Two to three, maybe, yes. max. Yeah, that's true. Uh, North Shore Dan, tell me I'm wrong. With Megan Rapinoe's impending retirement, Christine Sinclair will once again not get the credit and attention she it's deserves a great in her wrong. World Cup swan song. Absolutely right, Dan. Yeah, Rapinoe's always been a headline grabber. Christine is not, and mm-hmm. uh, that will. And and you know what? The, here's the funny thing here, Dan. Christine might love it that way. I don't know. I don't she know. If she craves that that limelight at all. So she I might. mean, you want the respect. You want you want. Um, you want a legacy of sorts, but I don't know that she necessarily needs like the 30 for 30 film or anything like that mm-hmm. on herself. Honest AB, tell me I'm wrong. How Canuck Nation feels about Ronick will be tied to how Axel Sandin Pelica, who was drafted 17th by the Red Wings with the pick, Vancouver got from the Islanders for Horvat. If ASP is playing NHL games in 2024, many will not be happy. And here, here, Honest Abe, I did a welcome mat on that after the draft. It wasn't just about the Canucks picks this year. It was about the picks used by Detroit in the first and second round in the Philip Rona trade, and they will absolutely, like Rasmus Anderson, right, the Calgary defenseman taken with the Sven Berchi pick, and others, Dylan Gunther, uh, we will also know those names and have them tied to Canucks lore. Surrey, Troy, toilets in Thailand are dreading the new Burger King cheeseburger, not to mention the partakers colons. Hashtag sounds like a YouTube challenge. Um, the Burger I'm King cheeseburger familiar. in Thailand is not a burger at all. It is just a cheese sandwich. 
Oh. With 20 pieces, I believe, of Ooh. of uh, American processed cheese. That's Ooh. all that it is. A yeah. bun and like a inch and a half worth of American cheese. Yeah. They're selling that. That's that's a thing. <laughs> that probably costs Burger King 41 yeah. cents at most. Robert, responding on YouTube to our interview with Jason King, says, Miller's end-of-year press conference appearance surprised me. He was head and shoulders the most articulate, mature person interviewed. I'd previously thought him as moody, uh, also a bit of a redneck due to his background, political views, whatever they may be. J.T. Miller. He's all of the above. uh, Just about every time that he has been interviewed has given articulate and mature answers. And I go back to that press conference where he's glancing over at the PR guy in the you know final days of Travis Green. Um, he's a lot. He's he's a, he's a lot of things. He's a very textured guy. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of emotion, and mm-hmm. it comes out in different ways. And, and I do think um, what we heard from Jason King yesterday is that, and one of the reasons I think coaches love JT Miller is that he's a collaborator. Okay, we're doing this. Why? What about this? What about that? You know, Jason King used the word challenged. And I think that's good for a coach or for a teacher because it means that they're taking the information in, they're processing, and they're coming back with responses or questions. And I think that's where you grow. And I think that's where you should get to best or to better practices. Here's an account calling itself JT Miller. 1641. With having Petey and Miller on the wings for the power play, you almost have to have a left-handed bumper slot player because if you put a right-handed player in the bumper slot and make Petey the play driver, that would make Miller a non-factor as he can't even one time if Petey wants to dish. Uh, Miller continues to be the play driver. At least Petey is always an option yes, for we, the we, one-timer. We, we've touched on this before. that it, it, it You don't have to change much if you just get a lefty in there. On YouTube, uh, the artist, has anyone even confirmed if Philip Ronick is ready to play for the start of the season? He was an injured asset when he was acquired. I believe we heard um, the general manager, Patrick Olveen, talk about if it was the playoffs, he would have right. played. He would have played. So they, he was held out. Was he banged up? Yes, sure he was. But he could have played. Yes. It was precautionary. And the um, you know the games had no stakes. And yeah. Incidentally, uh, as per the bumper spot and the handedness, Bovillier's a left shot. So yeah, that's that one why yeah. King uh, name-checked him. Uh, who's the first backup center if you have PDJT, Bluger, and Amon? Wouldn't you want to keep Dries as a number 13 or a number 14? Yep. May well be. If you're, if you're caught, and that's the only option. And yep. Dries had a nice season. So, yeah, I think he's... You think Dries would be of any risk of being claimed on waivers? Yeah, potentially. If guys like who got claimed last year, um, well, Lane, Zach Lane, got, no, Lane, Lane Pe- Peterson, Lane Peterson, Zach McEwen. But remember, the best time to get a guy through waivers is when you're right setting that opening night. Yeah. Jacob Markstrom got through waivers yeah. once upon a time in that spot. Uh, this is Chris who says Myers may go for free or close. Keep him until the deadline. Garland may not go for. Anything also, if you want to return even a third, trade Bovillier. And let's face it, the Knicks need more speed and grit. Pud Colson and Hoaglander are all that, minus being heavyweights who cannot penalty kill or close out the point in our end anyway. They just need to be developed as defensive forwards, which is their destiny, Obi-Wan. So trade Bovillier or retain and trade Besser 
and then sign another The Isles date. had Beauvillier in the block for a full year. Nothing happened. The Canucks have had Besser on the block mm-hmm. for a full year. Nothing has happened. So in, in a vacuum, sure, but they, they can't seem to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron, on Frankie Corrado's interview last week about the speed in the National Hockey League, Russ Cortnell could skate like the wind. Unfortunately, he couldn't process the game even close mm-hmm. to the same page. Uh, and uh, our buddy, uh, Grady, uh, and. Adds Jake Vertanen also, right? Mm-hmm. You know, speed in and of itself does not make you... No, Jake it, had speed and size. Yes. It didn't work. And then uh, lastly, Baines23 on TikTok, when we put out the video going Comtois, Heinen, Dumba, Suter, is Craig Tyler Myers signed Matt Dumba. And that approves your right side, I think. Mm-hmm. Some price from Wall Center presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Marvelous. Let's get to errors and omissions from yesterday's program before your Bodog line of the day. I have resolution on both matters that were left dingling or dangling. Yeah, dangling probably. It was 11 goals for Bo Horvat on the power play before the uh, – trade and then you asked me who pitches in the event of a home run derby tiebreaker for the all-star game mm-hmm. that's it and as suspected the first of all the batters are predetermined yeah and it is it is coaches three coaches so every batter has to get familiar with one of the their guy Coaches throwing batting practice. They're not allowed to bring dad back or whomever would have, you know, little league coach, whomever would have thrown to them in the home run derby. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, Blake. They can look at as many pitches as they want. We're just counting swings here. Yeah. So there is a bit of the pressure is not on the the batting practice coach who may have never thrown BP to the player to throw the first one nice and square so that he can. Take a big rip at it. I suspect you would have seen a bunch of players take several pitches just to sort of gauge the guy throwing BP if they were unfamiliar with them before taking a lick and and starting the uh, starting their accounts in the tiebreaker home run derby. Not to be confused with the right home run derby. I still can't believe that was a thing. Like, yeah, that was no, not well publicized. It's a thing. It's MLB.com as a source. Yeah. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. So you like what you got. The Argonauts are good, apparently. And uh, I'm going to respect it. In fact, I'm going to take this. I'm going to amplify the spread. You can you can change the spread if you want. Mm. I'm going to the Argonauts by 7 to 12 points. So it's a tidy victory. At plus 375. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter, Insta, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Threads. And please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.